I gained 35 pounds in five days once. <laughs> from a bend wow. I went. Now you know I'm from Wisconsin. <laughs> was it was it purely cheese? <laughs> there was a lot of cheese in there. There were there were whole <laughs> there were whole ice cream cakes, uh, multiple that I ate. A uh, lot of burritos. Uh, there there was a meal at the Cheesecake Factory that really uh, was so epic that it put me on that five day bend. And I found myself at the the Shed Aquarium in Chicago with like almost a almost like a a diabetic coma. Uh, because I had no carbs for 16 weeks, only had green vegetables. And then I put all that into my system. Welcome to the Behind the Fitness Podcast, where we interview the world's most motivating and successful fitness trainers, instructors, and coaches to inspire people to be their very best every day. Thanks for joining me today. I'm your host, Ted James. Let's get going. We have some really great stuff to get to today, right after we get back from a word from our sponsors. Fitness videos have many downward-facing positions, where we can't reference our trainers on screen and stay in sync. Are we doing the exercise incorrectly? How much time is left? Has the trainer moved on to a new exercise? The FitMirror is the latest piece of home workout equipment and the solution you need. The FitMirror sits or attaches to the front of your exercise mat and reflects your on-screen workout. With its continuously curved plastic safety mirrors, your fitness video is in view in whatever position you're in. Enter your email at fitmirror.co and be the first to know when we launch on Kickstarter and receive a huge early bird discount. If you're a fitness or health instructor, you need to check out Uscreen. Uscreen is an all-in-one platform that lets people sell their videos online through a streaming service like Netflix, on a website, or their own app. All Uscreen plans include video hosting, an out-of-the-box website, live streaming behind a paywall, and many other built-in tools. This is what I use, this is what Get It Done, Gymbox, and many other industry leaders use. Our guest is the former fitness director for the Men's Health brand, creator of the best-selling workout videos, Speed Shred and MetaShred. He's the author of the book, Your Body is Your Barbell, and he is the host of Get Some Gains podcast. He does it all. I want to welcome BJ Godore. BJ, say hello, then give us a little bit more info on yourself. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. And uh, thank you so much for taking the time to do all three Zs. You know, honestly, one of the things, a litmus test for me is if people have not adjusted to the way you spell gains in today's modern era, which is with a Z, not an S, uh, I don't know if I respect you. So it's hard for us to actually kind of a non-starter for our relationship. So I'm so glad this started well. Um, I appreciate the intro. Uh, yeah. I guess the lo- long story short, um, I'm, uh, I grew up a fat kid, but also um, an athlete in sports and um, had a lot of injuries, uh, had to deal with overcoming Uh, being overweight. And that kind of got me into the career um, in 2005 when I was a senior at Amherst College. I just had another, my fourth knee surgery. At the time I was 22, uh, it ended my football career prematurely. And uh, I started thinking, because I was a double major in economics and sociology, and I was starting to think, well, I don't really want to do anything with that. What do I have to, like, what fuels me every day when I wake up? Like, I've got to do this. And I'm like, oh, it's it's, it's working out. So uh, I started training professors and students my senior year in college still. 
And then when I graduated, I just basically opened up my own personal training business, went home back to Milwaukee, and then have done everything in between uh, from then to today, experiencing the birth of social media, online training, uh, the, the transition from personal training to group exercise, uh, found my way as the, the fitness director at Men's Health for a couple of years. And then the last five years since I left, been really trying to, to build my own ecosystem and not have to depend on other people, other platforms to, uh, to make money and reach people. So, um, and it's had its own share of challenges, but um, I, I'm grateful for it because had I still owned a gym, I, I may be out of business because right. of the last year of the pandemic. So uh, a lot of this is, uh, you know, being able to stick it out and, and, and stay in the game long enough, but timing and opportunity and luck certainly play a big role. Good. Okay. Yeah. That that's great that you were able to transition like that and not have to go through a lot of the hardships that other gyms had to. Yeah, man. I, I mean, I've, I've been involved in streaming since 2008. Oh, so, okay. Uh, I, I, that's a lot of people had to like transition on the fly with no experience. And, you know, what platform do you use? What are the best practices? Uh, it, it's, if I'm being honest, it's much easier to make money with a physical local business oh, because if you, if you have good energy and you care about people, um, you know, it's really easy to transfer that. It's harder to do that online. Yeah. And, uh, and you got to do so many, you got to play the game on five different platforms, right? TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, Yep. Instagram, you got to have a podcast, you got to have an email newsletter. Um, we have our own site and app in which I have to answer, you know, hundreds of comments weekly. So it's, uh, it's a lot, man. Uh, but I do get to do it from home. And uh, the, 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 the freedom of, of schedule really is what like money is great. Don't get me wrong, you got to make it you got to make a certain amount, I think, to find your ideal happiness. But there's also a point where beyond that doesn't give you any extra happiness. Um, yeah. But for me, freedom of schedule is like, wow, it's everything. And obviously you're doing your thing uh, with right. a podcast from home. And you just said, said before you got in the call, your, your child had to be at home because of the daycare situation. It yeah. doesn't stop. <laughs> so remote exactly. work is awesome. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's amazing that we have these freedoms with the technology that we have these days. Instead of before, this wasn't available, you know, for sure. know 20, 30 years ago. Well, um, thanks for giving us all those, the details of like your timeline and how, how everything went for you. Um, but I want to dig in a little bit more on the why side and, and, uh, get to know you personally more. And this is, this is part of the reason why I do this podcast is to get to know you more personally also, because in the gym in a personal gym, it's easy to have that personal connection with somebody because you're physically there. Sometimes it's harder for, I think, um, fitness leaders like yourself to have that personal connection as much. So this is why I try to dig in more on your, the personal side. So um, you, you are a self-proclaimed fatso from Milwaukee, is what, is what you said. Um, <laughs> and uh, I've called myself a former fat slut from Milwaukee. <laughs> people seem that one really resonates with people. That one, yeah. I'll remember that one. <laughs> yes, you will. <laughs> But so can you tell us uh, more about what drove you in the beginning um, to make those changes to to go from that that state in Milwaukee to to um, transform yourself into getting in shape? And then once you did that, the reason really why behind um, your why 
to help other people get in shape. Can you tell us about that part of your story? Sure. You know, uh, a lot, uh, you know, it's funny if you would ask me this even a couple of years ago, the answer would have been different. I think a lot of what I do today, the origins of it stem from low self-esteem, okay. you know, uh, being fat, being made fun of for the way I looked, uh, going to, uh, a school and financial aid with a lot of rich kids when my family wasn't rich, the complex of dealing with that, being underestimated, uh, not in those social circles, those types of things. Uh, my father being an immigrant and coming from a, you know, a slum in North Africa uh, oh. and, and wanting to, uh, you know, take the sacrifices that both my, that my family made to really do big things and uh, make, make, a, make, make a name for myself and make a great life for my family. So, uh, a lot of that drove me um, helping others, you know, especially early on, it kind of went in waves. Like early on, it was, a, it was a big high. And part of what became difficult is, as you mentioned, especially in person, things get very personal. And yeah. I would get a little bit, uh, but it went both ways, we, you know, emotionally attached to, to clients and they would be emotionally attached to me. And when the, things didn't work out or someone quit, those L's, those losses were uh, were hurtful and it was tough for me to deal with. And I, that's why, honestly, the biggest reason I transitioned to online was a couple of things. One, so I could scale the business and make more money, reach more people, have more uh, flexibility, work remotely, all that stuff. And then also stay up with the times. But um, I, I felt like it was too personal for me at that time. And uh, I also come from a background where a lot of strained relationships and dysfunctional family. So, um, you know, it, it was kind of an ability to create enough of a wall where I could still do do my thing, help people through my gifts. But, you know, we don't have to be in the room together. We don't have to make it too personal. Right. So, um, you know, I'm just being honest about that because yeah. uh, it, it is part of the game. Um, and uh, you got you got to figure out which boundaries you're comfortable with in working with people. But um, ultimately what I do, if I really come down to it, I live it, man. I really do. I live it. I put in the time. I really respect the craft. Um, I, I have a unique approach for sure, but uh, I share things that work for me. I'm okay. not going to say they're going to work for you. It's your choice to buy into that. I don't really tell people how to eat. I share guidelines. I share what works for me, but I'm, I'm very, uh, I'm a big fan of encouraging people to go through the trial and error process because that is where the most growth happens. And ultimately, you know, you going through the process will always work better because if it's not your choice, A, you're going to blame me. And then B, um, you're not taking ownership of, of what this is, which is uh, a process. Only you can become the master of your own body, of your own mind, yes. of your own soul. You can have a guide and that's what I, who I hope to be. But, you know, you, you've got to be, you're, you're driving the bus. I, I'm there on the side to help you navigate as, as effectively and efficiently as possible. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And I think the ownership part is is a really good point because we are all different. We're all have different DNA. We're in different parts of the world. So our diets could be different. So and you sharing what works for you instead of saying this is going to work for you is probably important and different. I can see how that could be different because I know even in my own diet and exercise routine, it's been trial and error. Some things have worked. I've seen results from, and some things um, it's just I'm bored with, and 
So I don't f- put that in my routine anymore. I stick with what's entertaining to me sometimes and what I can see results with. And um, from a nutrition standpoint, what works for me too. So I, I, I think your approach, it, it makes a lot of sense to help people be in their own ownership. Yeah. You know, it also changes over time. Like the diet that works for me today would, would, would not have worked for me 10 years ago. And, yes. <laughs> uh, that, so if you don't learn along the way and you get caught in the box of, okay, I got to always do this. Like, um, like I have more carbs now than I ever did. And that you think, well, why is that? I mean, you're, you're leaner and you're older. So that, that should not usually it's the, the, you would think it'd be the opposite, but my body's different. And I also train my body to, uh, to, to handle, uh, carbohydrate better and to need it more with my activity level. And again, so it's, it's, it's a journey. And that's why if if you're listening and you are expecting uh, someone, your coach or your trainer to be able to fix all your problems, uh, that's going to be tough. And and if you're not actively engaging in the process and trying to learn, you don't have to learn, um, you know, the, the biology of it as much, but just, you got to really learn what your body responds to. And uh, some people have just, they're not willing to take the time just to even listen to their body. You know, like uh, you, a good warm up allows you to kind of, oh, this is, this is, this is tight. Maybe I have to adjust the workout today, you know, or maybe I got to spend a little extra time warming up to get ready for today's workout. Uh, people don't, tend to not have the time for it. They also don't have the presence of mind. So just uh, whether it's your diet or your exercise program, the more that you can kind of, what do you call it? Mindfulness or whatever. A lot of it is just experience. You put in the time and you're going to learn a lot about your body. And if you're not willing to put in the time uh, and you're going to depend on someone else, that that's a not likely sustainable and B um, there's no ownership. So it's uh it's, it's one of those things, man. It makes a big difference. All, everybody that I've worked with that has had success, they just, uh, and what I try to do too is with the programming is, you know, for example, I'll say for the finisher, do what you want for five or 10 minutes. And then I see what they do. And a lot of times, it gives them the opportunity to apply their knowledge or bring something back that they liked, or they make their own thing up. And it's like, oh, wow, this actually would have been, this would have been a, a smart finisher that someone who's even not a trainer knows how to program because there's an educational process in what we do. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that was uh, the answer you're looking for, but uh, it's certainly <laughs> key to success for people that I've worked with. Yeah. No, I wasn't really looking for a specific answer, but yeah, that's, uh, I, I think that's the most crucial part. And the more I learn about fitness and nutrition, the more it makes sense. It's like you're able to give a starting point for somebody, but it's, it's really up to the individual to customize that, to make it really work for them. hundred percent. Yeah. And and they have to be willing to, uh, well, obviously trust, right? Trust both ways. I got to trust that what you're telling me is the truth. And you got to trust that I'm not going to shame or guilt you or tell or, or judge you for telling me the truth. And I think part of what resonates with people too is, you know, I, I I'm a binge eater. Uh, I, I still am. I do it more moderately now and more intelligently, but um, I mean, I, I gained 35 pounds in five days once. <laughs> from a binge wow. I went, now, you know, I'm from Wisconsin. <laughs> okay, <now laughs> was it, was it purely cheese? <laughs> there was a lot of cheese in there. There were, there were, whole, <laughs> there were whole ice cream cakes uh, multiple that I ate, uh, a lot of burritos. Uh, there, there was a meal at the cheesecake factory that really 
uh, was so epic that it put me on that five-day bend. And I found myself at the, the Shedd Aquarium in Chicago with like almost a, almost like a, a diabetic coma uh, because I had no carbs for 16 weeks, only had green vegetables. And then I put all that into my system. Oh. So we're on a little getaway after this stupid bodybuilding competition I did. That was dumb, but I learned a lot. Um, but, you know, just going on stage in a Speedo, no offense. It's just, it's not a good look. Um, but uh, I, I couldn't even, she had to go in by herself. I, I literally fell asleep on a bench in front of the museum. Um, so when people talk to me, I try to tell them, look, there's nothing that you're going to share with me that is going to impress me either way. Because I know you, you, you didn't do what I did. And because and, most people are still blown away with what I eat on a, on a, quote unquote, cheat meal when I share it. They're like, well, that's a lot of food. It's like, well, it's way less than I used to eat. Mm. And uh, I'm, kind of, I'm a natural heavyweight too. So there's just, I've got more, uh, you know, it goes both ways. Okay. Man. Yeah, he's, that... like, he's like, this is the worst <laughs> time to share my podcast. A bitch no. eater. <laughs> I'm still trying to wrap my head around. You said 35 pounds in a week? Five days. Five days. Wow. Not even a full week, man. It, it was, it's actually pretty impressive. They should have given me like some sort of recognition or award for that. Right, right. Yeah, that's, that must have really shocked your system. Like you said, like put you in a coma. I mean, dude, I, I, was in, I ended wild. up in worse shape than I was before I started, like many people do. So again, it, it's, it was a wild experience and it, it taught me, wow, this is the, this is the worst case scenario. I'm there. Okay. So rock bottom, all I can yeah. do is get better every time I do this. And now I don't do that whole uh, cutting bulking thing the way that, you know, it was prescribed to us in the eighties and nineties. I, 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 I'm, I'm within five or 10 pounds of what would be um, a fighting weight throughout the year. I get leaner in the summer just because it gets hotter and you get more active and you tend to not want to eat as much in the heat, but um, okay. you know, I, I always keep it tight and um that's the sustainability component too. And what I, I try to instill in people is, uh, you know, stopping the, the, the big ebbs and flows. You, it's just not, especially as you get older, man, it's really uh, yeah. not good for the body to bounce between, you know, highs and lows like that, finding a good, steady, sustainable uh, point, even if it's not as lean as you'd like to be, but you can, you can stick with it. It doesn't affect your lifestyle. It, it, you don't alienate your friends and family, you know, all this stuff has to be considered. Right. It's, it's a long game. And, um, so I'm in my late thirties now and I'm starting to definitely see how I need to change up my, my workouts one, so I don't hurt myself. And then the nutrition part also, um, well, let me ask you this because I'm, I'm going to turn 40 in a couple months. What okay. are you noticing that's uniquely different at this age versus even five or 10 years ago? I would say, one, I don't recover as quickly. Um, so I could be sore for more than a day or so. Um, and uh, I, I can tell that I need to warm up more. So when I start a workout, I really focus on that warm up phase. So, because I, I, I went from, I can push myself as hard as I can in my 20s. And I never, I never really got hurt that much. And, um, and I could just every day grind out great workouts and it's, I seem to recover from those and, and be fine. And then I started in my thirties, my early thirties seeing that, all right, I got hurt from that. 
and it's taken me a while to get past that. And now what do I have to do to make sure that I can stay healthy and I'm, I'm going in the positive direction instead of hurting myself. And, um, that that's probably the biggest thing that I've noticed. Yeah. You know, and part of that too, is you may not have gotten injured in your twenties, but because, you know, you just get, um, you can call it the wrong side of 30 from, a from one perspective or the smart side of 30 from another perspective. Um, the wear and tear you put in your body in your twenties, you may not have noticed it, but now you do. Yeah. So there's, there's less margin for error. And sometimes, uh, you get it, you get to what is supposed to be a workout and what you need to do is just warm up and that's it. So your warm up becomes your, becomes the workout. And, you know, part of what, um, you know, again, I had all these injuries when I was young and then I completely mm -hmm. changed my training, evolved it. But as I approached, um, as I'm approaching the 40th year on this planet, um, I'm starting to now pay for the sins of my teens and my twenties mm -hmm. in the sense that again, like if I don't take the time to properly warm up, um, not only is the session going to be less effective, but there's just a, a greater risk of injury. I'm not going to heal as fast from injuries anymore. I can't recover as much from uh, true intensity or volume. But what I've done, I call it EHO. So every hour on the hour, E-H-O-H. -H. And every hour on, the hour on the hour during my workday, I, I do at least one minute of mobility. Uh, I'll have a door pull-up bar in my office at all times. I can jump and hang on that. I can do some squat mobility. I can do some downward dogs. Um, we actually, I have it. There's so many progressions and variations that I use for it, but that's been the, the, the resting stiffness and soreness that you experience as you get older. Mm -hmm. That's what's helped me overcome that. And it's, it's, it's so effective in the sense that if I do at least one to five minutes hourly, by the end of the day, that's 10 to 50 minutes of right. submaximal high frequency movement practice. It may not be true training, like it, it is training, but it's not it's not a workout, right? That has to be so fatiguing and uh, condensed into to one block. Uh, but it breaks up the day. It's like mini meditations. Everything has a breath uh, focus to it. And I'll, I'll be have I'll have done ten to fifty minutes of actual work without having trained. So yeah. it's a fail safe for me with my busy schedule. It keeps me from getting too stiff and sore. And what it does for me, because you're avoiding fatigue with submaximal practice, it raises my fitness base so that, um, you know, I, I, at rest, uh, I don't have to warm up as much. Uh, I can, I can do things now cold that used to require like 30 minutes of warming up because of all that frequent practice. So that's one of my biggest things that I advocate for people as they're getting older is stop thinking about working out. You've probably done enough working out at this point. Now it's about just, uh, high frequency submaximal movement or just practicing the movements and doing them with such ownership that um, if you don't train, you've already accumulated enough activity. If you do train, you're bringing in all that skill, that higher skill acquisition to your training for better results in shorter time. So um, that's been a real game changer for me. Uh, and uh, if like the one thing I can recommend to people listening, get, get, I, I have a $37 pull-up bar that I put in my office door uh, there's been days where I get on that five or 10 to five to 10 times. And, uh, it's completely transformed my shoulder health, um, my spinal health and my ability to do pull-ups. It, it's, it's my upper body is more developed than ever before. And it's a lot of it was just hangs, just hanging on the bar and doing it often. So, uh, 
Okay. People have to start thinking outside the box with the way they approach their training, especially as you get older, as you get busier, as you build a family. You're not going to have time to do sometimes 20 to 30 minutes plus at a time, but you can sneak in yeah. those one to five minutes and pepper them throughout the day. Right. How often do you do these kind of short workouts, like you said, every hour on the hour? How, how often do you actually do those? And given so the minimum recommendation is you try to do it at least three times. So, uh, you know, AM, midday and PM would be kind of where you could start. But I call EHO the new 10 hour workday. So people work nine to five, you're going nine, 10, 11 and so forth every hour. And you can start by setting a timer. But what ends up happening is uh, because of how good you start to feel. And again, just it just becomes a habit. Uh, you, you'll start to do without even the timer. And then any, any free moment you get, you'll just go into some ankle mobility or you'll uh, hold a plank or you'll march in place if your hips are tight or even at your desk, you'll, uh, I'm sitting on a, a, 50, a, a big 50 pound medicine ball that I can kind of roll with and kind of just, I can just constantly get my hips moving so I'm not stiff, mm. promotes better posture. But then when I get sick of being here, I can kneel on a pillow or pad, get into a lunge stretch so that I'm opening up my hip flexors while I'm doing some work. So you start to just get in this habit. And then if you can't do it hourly, you can start to stack. So let's say you missed an hour. Well, I can do two movements now back to back. I can do a downward dog and a hang because I missed it last hour. So again, okay. uh, there's a fluidity to it, but uh, man, it is, uh, it is so powerful. And especially like the true power of it came uh, quarter one and you know, you're, you're in fitness it's the most like, you know, people have New Year goals and it's a very stressful time for a fitness business and you want to maximize that. Mm. I didn't have enough time to do my traditional training. I did what I could, but I really focused on daily walking in this EHO concept. Okay. And um, it kept me in the game. And uh, I made a lot of progress, particularly, again, like what matters most at this age, you got to stop thinking about strength training. You got to start thinking about loaded mobility. Loaded mobility. All right. All right. On about 50% of what you would typically use, but finding ways to make it as challenging as possible to make lightweight feel heavy to, um, you know, cause again, what, what, what you can't handle right now, um, like absolute loading doesn't make a lot of sense for someone on the wrong side of 30. It doesn't. Yeah. It, it's, and even for people that chase that in their twenties, what typically, like, what, what's the end result of that? You get a PR, but then what happens? You get injured. Yeah. People are just between injuries. And mm. as you know, like, I just had a lower back injury um, a couple months ago, and, and I'm still, like, waking up in the morning a little bit stiff from it. Like, it, it was, it was uh, the, the EHO got me out of it and helped me recover, but, like, this would have been something I could have bounced back from much faster 10 years ago. And I'm like, oh, wow, so this is, I don't want to experience this again because it was like, dude, it was the most pain I've ever experienced in my life. Eight hours of, uh, cause I tried to fight taking painkillers cause I had kind of, I just took to way too many of those when I was young Okay. and, uh, I was in tears. I'm like, yeah, I got a, the pain was so bad and I couldn't find a comfortable position. So was it a uh, disc problem? You know, I, I think I strained sure. my, my QL. And again, what happened was I had done a bunch of new things instead of resting during my recovery week, I new things, they create soreness and tightness, anything new. And then um, we had a tight block of time where I had to quickly film something. My wife had to film me before she had to go do something. I didn't have time to properly warm up. And then while I was filming, 
on the first rep of demonstrating one of the exercises, I tweaked it, but then I did oh. nine more reps and then I showed it with, showed the alternative to it. And, uh, and I think that's what caused it. So I actually got hurt on film. And again, I was trying not to show it. They, they couldn't tell I hurt myself because I'm yeah. a pro. I've done this a lot, but <laughs> again, it's just a lesson. Like I know better. Like I, I, I didn't take the time to warm up and I had already, I was tight when I woke up in the morning. And uh, so even the, the, the best of us, the worst of us, whatever you say, we all make these mistakes sometimes, but I never want to feel that pain again. So if it means, um, you know, not filming, it's better than getting injured and dealing with this for two months. But even the thing about injuries, though, too, as long as they're not catastrophic, there's always lessons. You know, I've learned so much and um, that I've shared with people even in the last two months about dealing with a lower back or a knee issue. And, um, you know, it, it's all content. That's how you have to look at it. You know, it's depressing and it's traumatic a lot of times in injury. Nothing gets me down more than like not being able to move. Right. Because I'm in pain, right? And that's when most, most people are in pain. Most people are just between applications of icy hot, uh, you know, wraps or tape on their body and taking painkillers. So that, that's why I'm such an advocate of shifting the focus to just practicing movements frequently and uh, let, letting, letting the cards fall as they may once you can commit to just being an active individual throughout the day without having to commit to any sort of program. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I do want to move on to the next question, but before that, uh, when you're doing this every hour on the hour, do you do that on days where you're replacing? So you, you can't make it, uh, into an actual workout. Is that in replacement for that? Or you, do you do that in addition to your normal? So that's my, that's basically, that's my movement base. My movement okay. base is I typically walk every day. And I eho at least five five times, up to ten times a day. Sometimes more, sometimes okay. less. On days, on days I train, uh, I may not do as much eho. Maybe it's like three to five. Uh, okay. And technically, the, the the block of time, let's say an hour that I'm training that day, that's well, that's an extended eho, right? I, I'm doing a lot of movement there, but um, yeah, that's kind of my movement base, and and, and uh, it's just something like I'm about to go on a getaway, and I'm going to bring my pull up bar. Because I feel I just when I hang daily, I feel so much better. And, uh, you know, it, it's 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 a type of thing because I focus mainly on body weight stuff, because, again, what's sustainable, uh, what serves people as they get older, you know, a mastery of your body weight is far more important than uh, external loads. And your body is your barbell if you know how to use it. That's why I wrote that book. Oh, um, okay. So, you know, it's uh, it just becomes a movement base. Uh, I guess you could call it neat, except I'm not just wasting my time on an elliptical. I'm taking my joints through a full range of motion. Uh, I'm simulating muscle gain. Mm -hmm. I'm just doing it in a way that um, I may not get as sweaty um, at once, but you get a, you get this big energy boost. You know, people are people are uh, addicted to stimulants. Mm. You know, and they have to turn to that to the mid afternoon. You know, coffees, whatever else, uh, and you'd be surprised taking a minute to just. Uh, you know, hit a plank, run in place, do some jumping jacks, man, oh, that, that, sure. that gets you, uh, that gets you up because it's not yeah. too long. It's, it's non-fatiguing. It's energizing. So, um, that makes it's, sense. It's, it's really, it's actually my next book. I'm writing it right now and, uh, it's called the EHO movement and I hope oh, nice. to have it ready by the end of the year. 
Oh, fantastic. Yeah. I'll have to check that out when it comes out. Um, when you do these movements, do you base it? How do you base which ones that you do throughout the day? Cause I mean, there's, there's so many different exercises you could do. Do you base it around your workouts at all? Like, so let's say like you're doing a, a workout that's more based on your lower body. Do you also do those every hour on the hour exercises based on your lower body also, or do you switch it and not hit up your lower body? Cause you already did that during your normal workout. That's a great question. So the way you approach it is based on what the focus is. And I'm a big advocate of sometimes single movement focus. Like uh, I, I, for a period of time, all I did was focused on hanging because if you think about it, we, over the course of your life, you'll have spent much more time in a push-up or plank position than a hang or pull-up just simply because of bar access. Yeah. And also because yeah. it's much harder. You're, you're, hanging, you're hanging your whole body weight there and, and getting your arms overhead really challenges your respiration. Um, it's, it's the most challenging position to be in. Um, so uh, when I want to make a lot of progress on something, I give it a single focus. And so there's been blocks of time where I'm like, all I'm focusing on is pull-ups. And again, every, every new thing you add to, to, to focus, you take your resources and you split them. So if I, if I take it now, I'm going to focus on the pull-up and the dip. Now only 50% of my resources can go towards each movement versus a hundred, which is fine if I want to build both equally. But if there is a weakness, sometimes you got to go all in with that focus. Mm -hmm. One thing I did to overcome my knee pain is I, uh, at the time, like when I was in my mid twenties, I could deadlift over 500 pounds, but I couldn't do a body weight lunge because uh, the knee pain was so bad. So okay. I committed to starting with one minute of lunging, of like walking lunges or alternating lunges in pain to over a course of six months, going for an hour straight without pain. And that transformed my legs and rebuilt my knees. Um, you know, but what I also do is uh, for, for like the average person uh, we do in our programs is uh, I have a program called Gorilla Corn Gains. Gorilla Corn as in a gorilla with a unicorn horn, a rare beast, yep. a rare breed. Uh, it's kind of higher level, more advanced programming. I actually have a tattoo of it. Believe it or not, uh. that's the Gorilla <laughs> I've committed to it, but, um, for sure. And now, what am I going to do? Absolutely. Yeah. But I'll give five movements, a handful of movements that collectively hit the whole body in all key movement patterns that you can rotate between. So you start with, let's say uh, a single leg balance hold, then you do some sort of hang, then maybe a downward dog, then a, a deep squat mobility. And then maybe you march in place to help with your gait. And then you would, so that's five, five hours. And then you would repeat that for the, for the next five. So you're doing two sets of five different movements that work your whole body. And okay. you could say, well, why not just do those five movements a minute each twice through at the end of your day as a circuit? Yeah, you can do that. That's great. Sure. But what, what if you, you're too stressed at the end of the day to do it and yeah. why not do that still? But at least the thing about doing this throughout the day, again, what gets tough as you get older is you need these extended warm-ups to offset all the sitting, which shuts yes. down your circulatory system, shuts down your nervous system, tightens everything up. But if you're like a dog who stretches hourly and, and moves hourly, you, you, you can just kind of hop into things. Again, I'm not saying don't warm up, but mm -hmm. if you're warming up throughout the day, 
you don't need as much. And then even if you right. can't find the time to quote unquote train, you're still every day, you're making these, these hourly deposits into your fitness bank, into your movement yes. bank. That, yeah. And you, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I have done some of this. I haven't done it every hour on the hour like that. Um, cause this is in my house. I, I'll come down and I'll do a set of pull-ups or something like that, but I definitely haven't incorporated it into my daily routines like you're, you're talking about. So I'm going to, I'm going to have to check it out. I'm going to have to test it out and see if it, you know, I, I'm really, I'm excited to see what it does for my energy levels throughout the day. If it, if it brings it from, cause I do a lot of sitting too, like everybody else, if it brings it from, cause sometimes I have lows like everybody, if it kind of flattens out that energy level or just brings it up higher, which I'm assuming it will. Absolutely, man. I mean, it also like you get in that habit to uh, move for a minute, at least drink a little water. I mean, you're going to be, you're going to be powered for the whole day because again, movement makes you remember, okay, let me drink, drink water. Cause you, you might, you might True. get a little glisten going or you might get a little bit parched. You're not going to get soaked. Yeah. Right. Um, but it just gets you in this kind of, habit i'm not saying you have to drink water hourly but what if you did yeah you know it's it's habit stacking right you know what's important to you um and you know a little bit of movement a little bit of water i mean it goes really well together and uh you'll be less hungry you'll have more energy and you will feel better and you'll be less likely to be in pain yeah that makes sense all right well i do want to change gears a little bit um and move from the fitness uh, information that you always that you give to learn more about you again. Um, and we talked a little bit about this earlier, but can you uh, tell us about a moment in your life when you were kind of at your lowest? And um, what did you? How did you overcome that? And what did you learn from being in that place? Well, I mean, not to get too heavy, but. Um... A little over a year ago, I woke up and I was planning on ending my life. So I, I, I went through maybe the darkest, deepest depression I've ever experienced um, during 2021. It okay. kind of it kind of kicked off um, like like everyone. The last couple of years have been hell, and they've really yeah. pushed us to look inside and, in some cases, finally reflect on the past being stuck in the house, um, you know, what else can I do is, it's, you know, you think and you, 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 uh, you kind of, ex- I explored my mind a bit, uh, kind of rant. I use my career and my work to run away from everything that happened growing up that, uh, you know, I quote unquote traumatized me, whatever you want to say. And sure. when I finally started reflecting on it. Uh, it all hit me at once. And then we, you know, we had some losses. My wife lost her father to COVID. Uh, we lost both of Sorry. our dogs. Uh, one of them, like he was in the other room and he just died. Oh man. I Sorry. just, my, my best friend. So that, that, that actually, thank you, man. Um, that was the moment when, when he died, his heart just stopped and I tried to bring him back and I couldn't, um, something happened to my brain chemistry and I got caught in just this black hole of, cynicism, negativity, and hate. And um, for the first time in my life, I couldn't bring myself out of it. So I talked to a therapist for a couple t- a couple sessions, 
basically what I got out of that was um, I just had to retrain my mind. And okay. uh, I've been on some like micro dosing, low dose medication as well at the start of the year to help with fixing what, what, what's wrong in my brain. And, and it's been working and it's been a slow process. Good. And, uh, a lot of that, the medication just gives you a little momentum, but uh, it's still, you got to do the hard work of, you know, uh, whether I have a mood disorder and or bipolar, um, again, I can't change that. It's genetic. Um, so, but I, I, what I can change is I can repattern my brain. I can recognize when my, my, my reaction to things is over the top when it shouldn't be and, and create more emotional stability for myself by just, uh, you know, recognizing it and then taking a moment to say, okay, like, why am I so angry right now? This is, this is an overreaction. Or why am I so okay. sad right now? But also really the power of what I've really realized to help try to get things moving back in the right direction is getting ahead of the stress, right? Mm -hmm. And getting, always being ahead of the recovery curve. Like I say this with regards to what we do with our fitness, like throughout the year, we do three weeks on one week off. And then every quarter we take a two week break. I'm not saying you don't do anything, but we're, you know, we basically, we get rid of all the intense, high intensity stuff and you can walk, you can do mobility, you can massage, you can EHO, but this is built in fail safe so that we always stay ahead of the recovery curve. Even if you could push that fourth week, you hold it, you hold yourself back. I call it the discipline to rest because uh, this is a long game. And yeah, right. And you got to stay ahead because it's all stress, right? Diet is stress, training is stress, work is stress, uh, relationships are stress. Um, what happens outside of your home that can stress you out if you allow it to. So, um, Versus constantly living at like a nine or 10 out of 10 on your, your, your stress load. It, it's, it's being smart enough to think about sustainability, bring it down to a five or six and give yourself the grace of some wiggle room so that those unexpected things that are going to come up, you at least give yourself like on an, on, on the off week, for example, I can do X, I can get ahead on work, which is my biggest stress is work. So, okay. I, and because I have an active job and it's a lot of filming physical stuff, yeah. I get to, I get to not have to worry about training. I can just focus on filming this week and not having to work out and get a lot done. If I have to do both all the time, too much stress. And then that makes me short, irritable and moody and then triggers a lot of the mental health pieces. So yes. that, that, that's been the biggest thing is it's been uh, coming to terms with the fact I'm older. I can't handle any type of stress as much as I used to, not just training, all stress now impacts me more than it used to. And I've got to get to bed earlier. I've got to sleep. Uh, I got to get to bed earlier so I can wake up earlier. And yes. um, I've got to be comfortable with getting five, you know, uh, one to five things done effectively every day or most days versus like trying to always push it to get 10 things done uh, sporadically mm -hmm. and with my, with my ass on fire, you know, from just, uh, the stress and anxiety of like being so busy and everything else. And, you know, I think about things now, like as I'm approaching 40, I know you're probably thinking of it too. I'm like, man, I probably have to do 10 more years of this <laughs> much. And if I think about the 10 years too much, it really starts to like overwhelm me. Cause I uh. like, even like I'm halfway through this year. And I need a break. 
You know what I'm saying? I'm about to go on a break. <laughs> right. Um, and, you know, they're great because you recharge and um, it gets you ready to run the next race. But uh, I'm like, yeah. wow, it's this tough, like almost 40 now. I can't imagine what this is going to feel like at 50. So, um, you know, these, these are the conversations you have. It's like, I got, I got to really be smart now, pick my spots. Like Michael Jordan, the MJ in his later days, you know, it was a lot of fadeaways, mm. not a lot of dunks, you know, like some right, later, right. even yeah. and, um, but you're still effective. Yeah. And I, I think I can relate to a lot of what you just said. Um, cause I have the same mindset. It's like, yes, I would love to crush 10 things every day, you know, have not worry about the stress level being up at like a nine or a 10. And I, I know I'll be happy if I just crush these 10 things. And then the next day crush 10 more things. And I know, so, so I've got two little kids, um, five years old and my daughter's about to turn two. Wow. So those are kind of wild cards right now, especially in this world of COVID. So as we're filming right now, I, I told you before we started that um, my kids' daycare got shut down because of, of COVID again. So them being home and then trying to get things done and trying to get all those 10 things done. It, I think the past couple of years, for me at least, has it's kind of shown me, all right, one, you need to chill out every once sometimes. You can't always be at that, trying to knock those 10 things out because things are going to happen. And uh, I just need to bring it down sometimes and relax. And, and, and I think part of that's been forced on me a little bit because, because I do have, have kids that they make me slow down and play Legos or something like that every once in a while. But, um, I, especially the first year of, of COVID when everything really shut down and we were always at home. Um, and I, I feel like I, I have to get these 10 things done every day and, and ha that stress level was just rising and rising. And I, I think I found myself in a probably not a great position either mentally. Um, so I can, I can definitely relate to what you're talking about with being at that higher level, but then realizing it's a long game and you got to think about the long, longer effects it bring it down and, and prepare, like, like you said, also well, to make well, sure you don't break. I mean, look, the, the, the only, your, your hair gets grayer, you get less hair, you know, things starts to hurt. Uh, you can't eat as much as you used to, whatever you can't lift as whatever, whatever it is. Right. But yeah. the exchange for all that is wisdom, experience, Truth. mastery. So you, you gotta, you gotta, run the right race. You don't want to play a young man's game, yeah. right? You can't run a young man's race, but you can, you can be ruthless with your prioritization, which is what you need. When you, I, mean, I could not imagine having two kids during the last couple of years. You have my utmost respect <laughs> because um, I mean, you, 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 you're, you just can't, you can't operate at the level you used to when you have now, those are your, your top priorities. So literally it, your priorities have completely shifted. And, um, you know, that, that's the thing about all of this is, uh, an older man, an older woman, an older person just has to apply that wisdom at all times and be okay with running maybe a slower race, but maybe this race instead of, uh, uh you know, uh, it, it's more about, you know, I talk about this to my people, like 
right now for me at this stage of life, my pace is a train. It's that steady, just I'm going to keep going. I will stop occasionally, mm-hmm. and I might add I might add one more piece of cargo, but I, I do it. I'll only add one piece because you know you have too much cargo at any given time. Um, at this age, you, you'll crash and burn. But just that, even the sound of what a train makes, like really, re- I meditate to it. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, in this this uh, core meditation trainer device I have, you can it's handheld. It vibrates. Uh, it has soundscapes with it and after the phone, it literally is the sound okay. of the train track. And, and I do my box breathing every morning to it. And it just, it sets me on track. It just, there's something about it because it's, it's the right tempo. Uh, okay. My younger days, I would crash and burn. I'd go all out and then I would burn out. And, and I can't afford burnouts now because uh, like, for example, I went 10 straight years of daily postings on social media my dog died and I left for six months. I'm still rebuilding. I'm still trying to reconnect with people, the audience, because of that time off. Okay. Now, had I had I had some built-in recovery for even because everything requires uh, recovery. Social media right. in particular, based on how I mean, I was addicted to it. I was living on it. I was answering you know, hundreds of direct messages a day to try to get business. And then in some cases, not answering paying members. So I had to, I had to basically say to myself, okay, I'm going to go three weeks on one week off with social media too. I, I, I'm off. I, I, I'm not touching any social media for the next week. And then quarterly I leave for two weeks, but then when I'm on, I'll, I'll try to post at least four times a week or five, whatever, depending on the platform. But yeah, it, yeah. it's, it's everything you do as you can, as you can't do less as you, can't do as much as you used to on just raw physicality and energy. And then you have kids, you have your own business, like all this stuff gets factored in. What are, instead of the five to 10 things, what are the one to three things I have to do every day or most days to keep the needle moving in the right direction? And and that's, that's what a train does, right? Versus a, you know, um, a high speed plane or a high speed car. Um, You burn too much gas, you just burn too much gas with, with those types of erratic paces. So, uh, and it's, it's, it's the hardest part about a train is getting it moving. Once it's moving, it stays on track. So um, we got to change our tempo and our pace. That's, that's the biggest thing I noticed about this age is uh, you just got to, you got to be uh, smart about your, your pacing and you got to be okay with taking it. That one week off is a step back for your marketing. Well, you just had three steps forward. Sure. And I, I never look um, as a step back, by the way, because creatively you, you hit you'll hit a creative burnout, yeah. and creativity is a very important part of, of operating a business. Right, absolutely. Because if you're always at that nine out of ten stress level, creativity does not live up there. And by the way, this is another. I'll share this tip. I so my most creative times are when. Like, as you know, when we do a three-week sign, when we go off, every week we build mm-hmm. to a peak and then we taper off. And then your body mm-hmm. super compensates. You know, this is how you approach training. It's, it's, it's uh, you know, where you have a big deadline, you make a big push, you get the projects done, you celebrate, you take a break, and then you get ready for the next thing, whatever. But yep. when I, so I, I reached the point of almost burning out, you know, maybe like eight, nine, and then I remove all stressors. Mm-hmm. I bring it down to like two, one. Like when I'm on the trip, 
I'm hope I'm hoping for no stress. <laughs> you know, like yeah, <laughs> a hot tub that we uh, are going to get the Airbnb works, and that our dog we're bringing with us uh, doesn't cause any problems. But even if it does, if I have like no, no I'm only going to do what I want to do, and so is my wife. Uh, what I get hit with because my body is expecting, my body gets good at managing all that stress, and then when I take mm-hmm. it all away, all of a sudden, like I get a surge of joy, love, positivity. And I want to do a lot of different things. And I just get so much creativity. And then, because uh, again, it's hard to be creative all the time, at, at, like at this age. So I, I pick my spots. And then typically when I feed myself more calories, I get a lot of rest. And I unload all that training and business stress, man. Like I can, I can get in a couple days, a couple months worth of creativity. So um that's how I look at it now too, is just like um, that time off can give me a quarter in some cases of the creativity I need to keep going. And it can be yeah. tough at the moment because you don't want to break your routine and you feel guilty or whatever else as you get used to this. Right. But to me, the rest days are the best days and rest weeks are what I'm working for. The ability to just, uh, you know, I'll keep moving, but I'm not going to put any pressure on myself and uh, you know, so that that's been pretty critical at this age too. Sure. And the grind's important, but at the same time, I think it kind of goes back to what you were talking about with preparing. You got to build in those relaxation times and and I, the creativity. That's I agree, that's where it comes in. Relaxation and creativity go hand in hand. Um I want to jump back a little bit to to talk about mental health and do you think that it helps you with um, your recovery or just growing in mental health when you share it, like on this podcast right now, when you talk about the mental health? I mean, yeah, I think it does. Like, I just got to the point recently where I could talk about my dog dying without crying. You know, and again, a lot of that too, you know, it's, it's uh, so again, everyone's different, but for me, I feel very deeply part of what. I've got a lot of empathy. I've got my own strengths and weaknesses, but one of my strengths, as I've been told by people, is my empathy and my communication. I really feel people's pain, their joy, um, and I feel deeply, and it puts me in in that state, like where someone angers me, I can be angry for like, I'll be angry the whole day because I can't get myself out of that state. Or if I'm, yeah, but you know, in in good times, it's great, and bad times, it's awful. Sure. So, What I've learned to do is, okay, when I start feeling an emotion, I, I, I accept it and I try to feel it for about a minute. Then I, then I put it away and I move on with my day. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of what I think really got me in the bad cycle I got into was uh, I, I was like, you know, I'm going to, uh, for the first time in my life, I'm going to accept uh, instead of when, when I'm offended or hurt, instead of raging, I'm just going to be sad. I'm going to try to just let my, I'll cry about it if I have to. I know this sounds really funny, but uh, the problem was I, I, I got to the point where I started finally feeling emotions. And because I had no training with them, I had shut them out my whole life. Uh, I would, I would cry. I'd be in tears uh, sometimes the whole day, like on and off. Like I, just, I was sad the whole day. So it's good to cry, but you don't want to cry too much because it just yeah. makes your whole essence like dreary. And combined with what was going on in the world, what was going on internally, our business was shit last year because a lot of people just didn't want to work out anymore. 
especially at home, being stuck yeah. there. I was hoping for the exact opposite, but it wasn't. Right. Yeah, I figured man. it would. A lot of people, huh. uh, my audience is many people like you, which is they had kids. They, they, had, they had kids during this incredibly difficult time. And of course, yeah. top priorities are not likely going to be your biceps. Yeah. Right. So that was my right. argument. And a lot of them, like, I hope some of them get back into it at some point, but some of them may never get back to a fitness routine again because of the last two years in that particular situation. I hope they can find their way back because I know it's going to make them better as a parent, but it is what it is. So, wow. um, you know, that was all part of it. But now um, what I started to do, example, the dog, I would think about him and I tears would start to well up. And then I would just try to find a way I would feel it, but then I try to find a way to turn it into joy and or shut off the, the tears so that I could build some emotional stability, if that makes sense. Stability yes. is for your joints, right? So um, that's part of what a mood disorder is, is you just go way too high and too low. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, that's uh, talking about it is, is it's therapeutic. It, um, it's like part of the reason I ended up getting medication uh, are we willing to do, because I, to, to me, that was an ego thing. I never wanted to, to talk to someone or get medication because it made me weak. I was a weak person. Right. But then one of the people I respected the most, who was a mentor and coach, told me he had almost taken his own life. And uh, 18 months of medication and talking to someone got him out of it. So okay. hearing someone else talked about it put me on that path. So why not be open and honest with other people, people I care about, and I try to share uh, physical fitness with, well, this can help your mental fitness. And that, by the way, having just gone through it is way more important than your physical fitness. Yes. But I will say throughout all that time, I never stopped moving. Uh, movement is medicine. I, I think I'm still here today because uh, like one of the few things you control, you can control is obviously your effort and your attitude and you, you can move like, and I found that the, particularly the EHO approach was like an hourly way for me to get into the eye of this storm, global pandemic, recession, social injustice, you know, and now we've got rising gas prices, food prices, inflation, who knows? I, I, I don't know, man. We, none of us know what the hell is going to happen. How long we're going right. <laughs> no, we to that. Um, I can't wallow in that. And this storm is just part of life. Now this is the new normal. So, mm-hmm. um, that hourly, like go inside, focus on this. It makes me feel better. It, it moves the needle in the right direction. Um, that, that I, I think that has been a saving grace. So I share that as well, because I think physical fitness will have a dramatic impact on your mental fitness. You just have to maybe consider yes. evolving what that used to look like. Busy fathers, busy moms, 20 to 30 minutes at once, it's hard to find. So maybe you have to start when you're watching your mm-hmm. cartoons with your kid, uh, do some shin boxing uh, or just sit on the ground and kind of move your hips. Like try to stretch while you're watching. I call it Netflix and stretch or, uh, you know, uh-huh. use, use your child to do some squats and play or like I have a dog. So I, I'll play tug of war with her and she's, she is relentless. She won't stop. She'll go like, I, I have to stop her because she'll go until she'll like pass out. But it's a lot of pushing and pulling, twisting and turning, uh, you know, changing stances. 10 to 20 minutes of that, uh, gas is Uncle Baby Biscuits, which is my nickname, by the way. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> okay. No. 
Uncle Baby Biscuits. Um, Uncle Baby Biscuits. Uncle Baby Biscuits. And, <laughs> you know, so, uh, you know, you just got to be more creative and be willing to change the way uh, fitness, what fitness means to you is different at every age, right? Because, you know, no one's yes. really trying to get huge when they're 40, right? Yeah. Just, you're trying to look at a more age-appropriate physique. You're thinking about longevity. You're trying to avoid joint replacements. You're trying to mm-hmm. uh, be active with your kids. Um, you know, so you got to evolve how you look at everything, not just uh, the way you approach other aspects of your life, but the way you approach your fitness too. You do. And what you were talking about with moving and that's going to help your mental situation. Um, so when I was younger, you probably know this, but, um, when I was younger, I, uh, I went through a couple of years of chemotherapy, but through that I kept moving and I think that made the difference. It might've saved my life. I mean, I'll never know for sure, but I know it saved my mental aspect of it a lot was just making sure that I stayed moving as much as I, I possibly could. And I think that made me come out a hundred times better than what I possibly would have if I, if I didn't stay moving. And I think that was more mental than it was even physical. So I think that's huge. Just stay moving and it's going to help your mental uh, capacity and just your mental health. But, um, and also as awful as that was, that probably gave you the resilience you needed to handle having kids during the pandemic. Yes. Well, you know, so these these obstacles end up being unique opportunities to just strengthen oh, our yeah. resolve and gain more wisdom and experience for um, the nonstop twists and turns that life can bring. And, and again, like, wow, man, that's 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 a lot to overcome. Do you think that because of this mental problem that you had in the past couple of years, do you think? Because you talked about how you had a knee injury and other injuries in the past, but those have been learning experiences for you. And you've been able to take that and share and turn that into wisdom to be able to help even other people with that wisdom. Do you think maybe that this happened? I don't know if I want to say for a reason, but like you'll be able to uh, take this, this thing that's happened to you and use it for even a greater good in the future. I mean, that, that's the hope, that's the plan. And I think, you know, you can only run from unresolved issues for so long. And I just think it was such a perfect storm, like a midlife crisis, global pandemic, struggling business, excuse me, um, you know, all, all uh, deaths in the family, losses, all of it happened at once. And, um, and I was operating at a level of stress that was at my max limit. And then it just pushed me, dude, it pushed me to like 20 out of 10 and, and I, and I broke. So, you know, um, it's a lesson to, like I said, to now be willing to operate, um, as effective, as effectively as possible, but without taking on too much of a, of a day-to-day week-to-week burden, just in case something terrible happens. So I, I have enough capacity to handle that unanticipated stress. And, okay. um, you know, again, like, being uh, another thing too, like I read a book called uh, the guy that I told you about that, you know, consulted me about, you know, getting help and talking to someone considering medication. He sent me a book called uh, self-compassion 
And uh, I mentioned like in the beginning, a lot of my issues revolve around low self-esteem um, and trying to prove my worth through business success or um, getting on the cover of men's health, which was like a 17 year goal, which really meant nothing mm. in the end. I put so much weight to it. Yes. No one cared. No one cared. No one cares about anything except what adds value to their life. So, um, yeah. you know, that, that, um, shifting from, you know, uh, trying to do things to build my self-esteem, um, and just doing things that bring me joy and, uh, give me, you know, worth and impact in this life. But, you know, that's important. And, um, so yeah, I think, you know, again, like you and I are both older than Jesus, you know, we, we've already lived a full life. So, you know, it's, and, and hopefully we have a long way to go, but, um, when you think about that and you start, right. to say, okay, if I've lived, if I'm, if I live the life expectancy, I'm already, I've got like half, half to go. So what can I learn from the first half and, and how can I make the second half as good as it can get? And, um, you know, so that, that changes a lot of your, uh, a lot of your priorities, a lot of what's important. Um, and, and where I used to give, like, I used, I got so into social media because how else can you build your business in today's age? that my day-to-day -day mood depended entirely on how a post would do. And, um, mm. you know, like, I mean, the, the dopamine addiction that is social media is, is dangerous. And, uh, and then right. when I, when I came back from that break and then like going from reaching, um, getting, you know, 25,000 plus likes on a post to getting 33, what that did to my self-esteem which is always, again, so dependent on me proving myself, uh, that yeah. really damaged my mental health. But now I, I, all I approach is if it can help one person and it's, it's part of the process of which I just have to get this out there because all I can control is getting out marketing material. I can't control how it does yep. uh, or who, who sees it. Uh, yeah, I can put more effort into it, but at the end of the day, uh, it's the algorithm. So the algorithm is, is God. In social media, I can't, yeah. you know, it's not work. So, you know, I'm going to step away. It does and, what it wants. Exactly. And I'm not going to be a slave to it. Um, so, and I'm going to focus on the people we do have, you know, uh, we, we have enough. That's part of what you learn as you Serving get older. Them. You've been in business for a while. Like you probably already have enough people listening to this podcast to make this something, uh, to make it whatever you want it to be. It's always great to get new listeners or get new customers. Sure. But, um, you just, you got to be willing to at times, okay, I can't find more people right now. I'm just going to go deeper with the people I do have. All yeah, of it starts is good. a totally new perspective, right? So it's, um, yeah. it, it's, it's, a, it's a growing experience, a lot of growing pains on the sides. On the other side of growing pains is growth. So. Mm -hmm. And I, I think about that with this podcast, like, Really, if it can help just one person, then that's great. That's that's huge. I mean, you never know how how much you could change somebody's life just with this one episode. It could totally speak to just if it's just one person and it serves that one person, then that's huge. And that that kind of uh is what my next question is about too. So um for clients of yours and you've been doing this a while now, but like you said, you've, you're getting older now, you're, you've transformed and um, it, what you do with your fitness and how you teach it's transforming. So at this point, 
for clients that have followed your programs for over, over a year or, you know, a, a good amount of time, what would be the biggest takeaway that you hope that they will learn? I mean, the consistency piece is the most important part. I, I think, um, you know, people approach most things within fitness as all or nothing. And there's a lot of stopping and starting it. That's the thing. Just mm -hmm. never stop. Uh, treat it like a dimmer switch. You know, you got more energy and time, pick a quarter of the year and really get after it. And then, you know, there's going to be one quarter of the year where you have to kind of go on maintenance mode, but never stop. Because mm -hmm. again, especially as you get older, the stopping is when you actually will truly lose like physical capacity. Like the, the use it or lose it doesn't really mean much in your 20s, but it means a lot in your late 30s. And if you're over 40, you just can't stop. You got to find some yeah. way to stay in motion, even if it's for five or 10 minutes a day. So uh, that's the biggest lesson because I, I, I've not missed a week of training or movement, whatever you call it, unless it's mm -hmm. something planned as part of recovery, even in that I'm always moving since I was 14 years old. So again, like mm -hmm. I talk about the train. It's again, I, I've literally gone the route of the train in the sense that I've tried to add a, a small piece of cargo every month for the last couple decades and it's got to be here. And I know if I can just keep on that pace for another 10 years, maybe I can be in a position where I can back off even more as I start to get even more tired and have to require more afternoon naps. You know, mm. Nothing wrong with naps. Yeah, man. I mean, <laughs> and then when I have to put it, wear a diaper and I can't shoot content anymore, hopefully <laughs> that train got me to a good place where I can, I can finally rest. Sure. Yeah. And at that point, you might have a totally different passion or be able to help people in a different way. So taking diapers on and off properly, maybe we'll see. Hey, you know what? <laughs> Whatever the algorithm likes. <laughs> I think the algorithm would like that. It, it probably would. It probably people would. would. <laughs> if they saw me doing hangs in a diaper, people would definitely stop when they were scrolling. Especially yeah, if, I was, yep. if I was old as fuck. It's like, what is this old man with a diaper doing, doing 10 pull-ups? It's like, well, you know what? He's e-hoing. <laughs> He's e-hoing. <laughs> That's some hardcore clickbait right there. I'm actually you know you get the clicks. <laughs> All right. So this is uh, the last question that I ask everybody. And um, so if you were able to pick just one short message that's sent completely anonymous to every person in the world, and they would actually really listen and take it to heart, what do you think that one message would be it's a tough one. Um, you know, I, yeah, yeah. I'm a big believer in everyone's different. So again, you have to really know yourself. Um, but I know myself and that's part of why I only worked at men's health for two years is because I need to do it my way. I don't like someone telling me what to do and I don't like the corporate bullshit. I don't like, uh, office politics. I don't like the backstabbing or the games you have to play. I just like to put in the work and reap the rewards. And, and I like to do things that, you know, cater to my unique personality. And I'm kind of, uh, I can, I can be extroverted, but I'm a, I'm a resting introvert. So, um, you know, doing things my way is very important. Um, and I, I think it's hard to find true happiness in this life if you have to do things the way other, other people want it, want you to do them, you know, and it, there's, there's processes that you need to take to get to that point. 
But man, um, this life is too short to be living for someone else. Yes. Man, that that hits home. And it, this kind of jumps back to, uh, I think I think what probably set a lot of that mindset in motion for me was when I was younger and had cancer. And I mean, that was, it's hard not to face reality that's like, okay, we're definitely all going to die someday. How do you want to live your life to the fullest? And that's, it's easy to say. Um, but then taking that, and I think that's possibly why entrepreneurship has been such a strong part of my life and an interest in my life and having to pursue that is because we're all, we all have a way that we want to live our own life. And if you don't prepare that and figure out what that is, then somebody else is going to figure it out for you. And that's when you end up doing what they're saying and doing what, how they liked it. Kind of like you were saying. And at the end of the day too, man, like, first of all, there's no better time if you're, if you're on the fence about doing your own thing or starting something big than now, because remote work is now just part of society because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. it's, one of, it's one of the few gifts of the last couple of years is that people realize, oh yeah, people can still do quality work at home and we don't need to be in the office with our thumbs up our asses for 10 hours a day. Uh, most people are on social media anyway. During yeah. the workday, because there's there's not there's nothing to do for ten straight hours in most jobs. So uh, I'm not again. Not everybody's meant to be an entrepreneur. I, I, I'm assuming more right. listeners than not uh, to this podcast probably have the potential to be just based on you know what you're sharing with them. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, uh, a company will drop you the moment it affects their bottom line. Yes, I've seen that. What you've done for them. So yeah. focus on protecting yours and uh, you could still be, you know, you can still be selfless and how you help other people on your own time or in your work. But man, I just, uh, the two years I spent at men's health really gave me that perspective because it was the first time I had not been on my own. And, uh, okay. and I even had a lot of autonomy there. Like I, I, I managed to negotiate getting, uh, to work in an offsite building, so I don't have to see anyone. They could leave me alone. Uh, but even <laughs> like, you get too many chefs in the kitchen. People are competing for credit. I'm like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to deal with this shit. This is not me. And um, even if I am reaching a fraction of who I used to reach, um, that was about ego anyway. I don't need that. I don't need. I don't need. I don't need. Ideally, the moment I don't need to be seen by anyone, you won't. I will vanish from the earth in terms of a public appearance, because um, that no longer like building a name and, and being famous or whatever that, whatever I thought that's what I need to be. Yeah. That's not what I want. In fact, I think that was a big part of what pushed me to the mental health issues is, uh, you know, going from being part of this huge platform to now being on your own. That's humbling. And it, it's, okay. it's been good because it, it, it reminds me, okay, like, do you want to, do you want that level of criticism? Do you want that level of, um, negativity. And, and the answer is no, especially if I'm not able to handle it, which I wasn't, my skin wasn't thick enough for it. So um, I, I think it's an important thing to really think about, man, like who, who do you want to live for? Mm -hmm. Where do you want to spend most of your, most of your hours? Like it's either most of your hours are either spent at work or sleeping. Yes. So 
think it comes down to priorities and figuring out what are your priorities. But at the same time, if you wouldn't have gone to men's health and worked there, then you probably wouldn't have figured out that, wow, that, that is not something that I want in my life. I'm going to go this direction. Cause I think that's a, something that a lot of people just don't actually do. They always say, one of these days I'm going to go do this other thing and they stay at men's health for a long time or, or they never take that step in the first place and they just stay where they're at to find out that maybe that wasn't a big jump. Cause it sounds like that was a big jump to go to men's health. Right. I mean, I had, I had been working with them consulting for about uh, six years at that point. So, and be, from having worked there and the way things went down, it also meant like, it was not a good ending. Like, so oh, okay. had I remained a consultant, I could probably still be consulting for men's health. But because okay. I went there and whatever happened there happened, um, mm. it's, it's, it's now, it was a bridge burnt. Oh, you know, I see. You, I see. You know what? I'm doing fine. You, I'm sure you learned things from that though. Well, I absolutely did. And again, that's, that was part of, I, I haven't just been dealing with mental health issues the last couple of years, I've always had them. They, they just got sure. to a, a boiling point. Um, and a, a lot of uh, the, the, the burning of the bridge went, went two ways on that. But I was a younger, less mature man, and I didn't handle things as well as I could have. Five years later, I had that perspective. But um, a lot of times it happens when there's a burned bridge, you've got no choice but to make it work. And we have over the last five years. Nice. Nice. Great. Well, um, I think to end it off, can you share with us how the, we can connect with you and um, any new programs you might have going on? And then we're going to say goodbye. Uh, you can, my website is bjgador.com, B-J-G-A-D-D-O-U-R. You can follow me on all social outlets, including OnlyFans at, at bjgador. And uh, that's, a, that's probably the best place to, you're like, oh God, did he have to drop the OnlyFans? Um, that's the best <laughs> place to, to find me. It's my website because it directs you to all different things, our podcast, my, my site app. Um, and uh, I've got a new book coming out um, end of year, which if you sign up my newsletter or follow me on one of those outlets, you'll, you'll find out through that. Fantastic. And after the show, head over to behindthefitness.com. You'll find links for videos to each episode links to BJ's book and links to everything else BJ does and more. BJ, thank you again so much for spending time with us. It was truly, truly powerful. My pleasure, man. You're a good dude. And I'm happy to help. Awesome. Take care. Peace.